The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Did y'all, did y'all enjoy that, that preacher last weekend? I, I listened in and I heard him dogging how much of a cowboy I am. And so I just decided to wear my cowboy hat today. Since I, we did spend the week in Nashville, we went to the Country Music Museum, you know. And so I learned something today. I'm going to teach y'all. I learned something today. When a cowboy takes his hat off, is this right, Dylan? You, you got to put it face up like this. You don't ever put it this way. A real cowboy would know that. And so I wanted to make sure y'all knew that. So, hey, are you glad you came to church today? I am so glad. Um, uh, one really fun thing that happened this week is, uh, was our parents' night out. How many of you enjoyed your parents' night out? Any of y'all? Were y'all you got to go on a date night, and all our kids had, um, had a pajama pizza party. Uh, I, I swung by just for a minute. It was awesome. It was so chaotic and awesome and wonderful, and the kids had so much fun. So thank you to our team who put that together. Um, I hear rumor that they're already planning another one. Parents, would you like for us to do another one of those? <laughs> Parents with young kids are like, yes, can we do it every week? <laughs> oh man, I, uh, I just love that. And, uh, and I don't know if you noticed uh, during worship or not, but you, did you notice our new lights that we got up this week? Uh, it's so much brighter today. Um, I just, we're in a season right now, so many things uh, are being updated and, and it's just such a fun time uh, here at Harvest. And so I just like pointing that stuff out. We have been in a series called Out of the Cave, Now What? Uh, it's a series uh, about uh, mental health, kind of all things mental health. And it's a, it's a bit of an analogy that sometimes when you're struggling in your, in your mental health, it, it's kind of like going and kind of getting backed into a cave. And you just kind of get in this cave and you don't know how to cut out of it. It's dark and disorienting and discouraging and, and you're just not sure what to do. And we think the Bible has a lot to offer if you find yourself in that place. And so we want to help you, number one, come out of the cave and live the full life that Jesus is dreaming of you. But we also realize as you step out in the, into the light for the very first time that you might be going, I don't know what to do. I've been in the cave for so long that I just don't even know where to go from here. And so this series is designed to help you with some next steps. And today we're going to be talking specifically about overcoming anxiety, okay? Overcoming anxiety. Uh, in 2012, something happened in America, and there's a lot of studies that, that really back this up, that, that point to something that happened in 2012. And, and, and what happened is all of a sudden, there was a spike in self-harm along with a spike in uh, anxiety and depression. And, and so as, as, as people more uh, smart than me began to realize this, they began to go back and to try to figure out what was happening that would correlate with this spike in anxiety and depression. And, and, and this is what they discovered. So I have to paint the picture. I have to back up just a little bit to help you see it. In 2005, uh, there was a what they call social media penetration of just 5%, okay? So 2005, uh, 5% of America was act- active on social media on whatever the platforms were in 2005. Fast forward to 2012, and, and just so you know, I'm not blaming this company when I say it. I'm just telling you a story. But in 2012, 
2012, Facebook went public at a valuation of $104 billion, making it one of the highest IPO uh, valuations of all time, which, by the way, today its market cap is $911 billion. That's unbelievable to me. And today, uh, in in light of the 5% penetration that was 2005, today there are almost 3 billion users across all of the social media platforms. Now, again, I'm not blaming Facebook or any other social media platform, but I do want us to recognize the implications that social media has had on our society. And I was doing some reading and there was an article in Psychology Today. I'll just read you a little paragraph from it. They said this. They said, one way or another, anxiety seems inextricably linked to the use of social media and a swath of recent papers seem to suggest that this link is one of the core drivers of digital usage. These data show that while many people who use social media a great deal are anxious, watch this, when they are not using social media, they turn to social media to reduce the withdrawal anxiety, and they end up with another form of anxiety produced by engaging with their digital platforms. The implications for this mental health of this double anxiety whammy, they call it, are clear, and research even suggests that people turn to alcohol to reduce their stress levels while they are posting on social media. Are you, are you catching this? So out of anxiety, we go to social media, it makes us more anxious, so we stop, and then we're anxious because we're not on, and so we get back on, and then we pull in other things to help us with the anxiety while we are posting about the things that we're already anxious about. Are you, did you follow all of that? And the article goes on, and it, and it cites study after study, and then it says this. It says, one of these recent studies has shown that higher amounts of screen time are associated with higher levels of anxiety and depression, adding to the already copious literature on this subject. Anxiety is a big deal in our world today. I don't know if you've noticed, but people are anxious about all kinds of things. We are approaching uh, another year of another election cycle, and already people are anxious about it. I read an article this week. They, they, uh, they, they interviewed uh, a cross-section of America. They gave them three positive uh, feelings, three negative feelings, and one neutral feeling uh, to ask them. How do you feel about the uh, 2024 elections? And the number one answer was the furthest on the scale of negative, which was dread. It was just, it didn't matter what party or, or which politician, it was just dread, anxiety. Anxiety is a really, really big deal. But I have such good news for you today. Are you ready for the good news? The good news is that you can live free. Did you know that? The good news is that I know a God who is bigger than whatever is making you anxious today, and I can't wait to help you to talk this through. Now, I do want to do something else. Throughout this series, I'm going to make some book recommendations because there's just no way that we can cover everything that we need to cover in a few messages, so I want to give you some tools that you could check out that might help you. So uh, today's message is inspired largely by a book I read and some sermons I heard by a pastor named Louis Giglio, and he wrote this little book called Putting Putting an X Through Anxiety. Anxiety, and I would encourage you if this is a topic that is affecting you or someone you love, someone you know, that this would be a resource uh, that you might want to pick up that would be helpful. And so I wanted to tell you about that. And before we get into the message, I want us just to pause 
and position our hearts. I believe that God has a word for every single person here today. Does anyone else believe that? Every single person. And so I think the difference maker is let's get our hearts in a place where we can hear what the Holy Spirit has for us. And so we do this thing where we just pause, we pray, it takes about 20 seconds. Would you do that with me? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful for your presence today. We're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that today we didn't just come to just gather together and have fun, but, but today, Lord, you have a word that is going to set some of us free today. You're going to help us. So, Lord, we position our hearts. We ask you that as we open your word, we open our hearts to you. We, get, we just say, Lord, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Someone said, anxiety is like a really good door-to-door salesman. I know what it's telling, selling me is implausible, but I really want to buy into it. This is why sometimes I hide in my bedroom until it goes away. <laughs> and that makes so much sense. Anxiety is so powerful. Telling someone to just stop being anxious. Just get over it. Just be positive. Just, you know, just move on. Those tactics do not work. Anxiety is a very real issue. It's a very real thing that so many people in America battle. And and today, some of you, on, on the scale of anxiousness, you might be pretty high, and you might actually be thinking, as you heard, that we were going to talk about anxiety. It might have actually made you anxious that we're going to talk about anxiety. And you might be thinking, Pastor, there's no way that I will ever overcome this. There's no way that I'll ever get through this. And I just want to remind you of this today, is that in this series, we're going to talk a lot lot about some hows, okay? Some how-tos, some practical things. Today's message, we're going to talk about some practical things. But I really want you to know this, that what's way more important than the hows is the who, okay? It's the who. And today, we're going to talk a lot about the who, because it's so much more important than the hows. The, The hows could be things like this, like take a walk outside or to find a, a godly counselor to maybe, maybe you need an adjustment in your diet or so, some exercise or you need some friends that can come around you or uh, go into your life group. I mean, these are, these are hows that I really believe in, but I want you to know this, that the hows will only take you so far. I'm just telling you, they'll only take you so far. You need the hows. They're healthy. You need them. They're good. But what you really need is a who. And I just want to tell you, about that who today, Psalm chapter 23. It's one of the most famous Psalms in all of the Bible. In Psalm chapter 23, David writes in verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. (laughs) He's immediately pointing us to the who that can help us to overcome anxiety. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake, even though I walk in the darkest valley. So, so notice this, even though I walk through the dark times, even though I walk through the anxious times, even though I walk through the troubled times, even though things are, are, are not going all right in my life and there's, there's pain and there's trouble and there's anxiety, even though He says, I will fear no evil. And in case you're wondering why David is so confident, he says this, for you are with me. David points us to the who 
that will help us to overcome anxiety. And so today, I just want to give you four things that I believe will help you with overcoming anxiety. And the first one is this, is today, I'm asking you to see Jesus for who he really is. Now, a lot of you in this room, you already know a little, a little bit about Jesus. And here's what I'm saying is that all of us have a perspective about Jesus, but I want to make sure that you see Jesus for who he really is. David continues in Psalm 23, and he says this. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David gives us two clues as to who Jesus is when he writes these words. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, now for this to make sense, you'd have to understand that David himself was a shepherd. And so as he writes this psalm, he's using the things that he knows about shepherding and about his own life and about the sheep that he's shepherding. And he's comparing his relationship to the Lord when he says, he says, you are my shepherd, right? He begins to, to lay this out. And so he gets to this place where he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And these, these are actually two uh, descriptors that are actually describing the same tool that a shepherd would use in shepherding. And I, and I thought it might help you uh, to kind of see this today. So, so I brought, I actually have a shepherd's rod because not only am I a cowboy, but I'm also a shepherd. Okay. All right. So this is, this is my shepherd's rod. And, uh, and he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, and here's the deal. The, the long straight part of this tool is the rod, okay? And you can imagine how this could be used <laughs> to protect the sheep from whatever was trying to attack them. Can you imagine it? Or do you need me to help? No. I mean, the rod, right? The rod is, it's bringing David comfort, okay? We're going to talk more about it. And then, and then the, the, the staff, they comfort it. And the staff was used as the hooked end where they could just reach out as a sheep was kind of veering off and they could just kind of grab it and just kind of pull it back and just guide, right? So the rod's about protection. The, the staff is about guiding and guide the sheep back onto the right path. And David, he's given us a clue here as to who Jesus really is when he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And let me show you a picture. Maybe you've seen a similar picture of Jesus in your life before. I grew up in church, and, uh, and, and if I look back and I think about my Sunday school classes and, 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 uh, and my kids, my children's church lessons, and, and, uh, and some of you won't even know what this is, is the flannel board lessons. Anyone, anyone have flannel board? Okay, flannel board lessons. And this right here is the picture that I remember of my childhood about who Jesus is. And, and, and listen, this is an okay picture of Jesus, but I have some problems with it because in this picture, Jesus looks very wimpy, okay? Is it okay for me to say that? I mean, he just looks wimpy. I mean, he's just, you know, he's just holding this little lamb. He's petting this little lamb. He's just kind of gazing at this little lamb and I have nothing against lambs, but it's, it gives the impression that Jesus is a wimp, okay? It's just, he's soft. He's just kind of got this lamb in his arms. And, and, and what I think David is pointing us to in Psalm 23, he says, your rod 
protects me. And it gives me this idea that at any moment, okay, Jesus could put the lamb down and he could pick his rod up and he could whoop whatever is coming against his sheep. Are you following me? And this perspective, I believe, especially to the anxious heart, helps us to see Jesus for who he really is. And David, another shepherd, he understood this. In fact, he would have used the tools he had, the rod, and in his case, the slingshot, you might know that story, to defend his sheep from things that had tried to attack his sheep. In fact, in 1 Samuel 17, 37, it says, the Lord, this is David again, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will also rescue me from this Philistine. He's talking about the giant Goliath who's coming against the people of God. And David, he looks and he looks back and he looks back at his shepherding and how he used the rod and the staff to protect the sheep. And he thinks about how the Lord, his shepherd, has a rod to protect him. And now he looks at that giant and he's not afraid of that giant because he has an accurate perception of who Jesus really is. There's a guy by the name of Mark Batterson. He wrote a book called Do It for a Day. And he writes about this encounter that David has with Goliath. And he says this, he says, David looked back at God's past tense providence and he connects the dots with present tense circumstance and it produces faith for future tense challenges. It's this beautiful idea that we can look back. We sing about this today. We can look back at the faithfulness of God. God, you rescued me here. You provided for me here. You took care of my kids here. You rescued our marriage here. And you look back and it gives you faith for the present tense and for the future tense. And listen, here's what I'm telling you. When you have an accurate picture of Jesus, it comforts your heart. I might say it this way. When you are in danger, a rod is highly comforting. Do you believe me? I, I was a teenager. I grew up in this church. And, uh, and uh, our youth pastor at the time, his name was Pastor Jack. And uh, I was here late one night, my brother, myself, and Pastor Jack. We finished whatever uh, event it was. And we were locking the building up. And we were turning the lights off. And I'm just curious, does anyone, my girls actually think this, does anyone think that a dark, empty church is a little bit, is a little bit weird, a little bit scary, right? Okay. So the church is quiet, it's dark, we've just turned everything off, and then we heard a noise. And we were at this end of the building, and we heard a noise that was at that end of the building, and Pastor Jack said, we need to go check that out. So Jack was in front, and I was behind him, and my brother was behind him, and we're making our way down the hallway past our kids' area, and about halfway back, there's a closet, and Pastor Jack opened that door, and he looked in, and there was a shovel inside of the closet, and he pulled the shovel out, and I'll never forget it, because he held the shovel in the air, in the dark, and he yelled down the dark hallway, he said, I have a shovel, and I know how to use it. And I stood behind him and I said, yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you why, why I had confidence? Because <laughs> there was a man in front of me with a rod, right? I knew, <laughs> now to just, to just truth be told, we were all three scared out of our minds, okay? But as we made our way down the hallway, I knew that if someone was back there and we came around the corner, that my youth pastor had a shovel and he knew how to use it. And I was going to be safe. 
This is what I'm telling you. The rod is comforting when you're in danger. When the enemy is coming after you, you have to have an accurate picture. I don't mind if you, if, if you, you sit and meditate on the picture of Jesus loving that little lamb. We need that side of Jesus too. But I don't want you to miss the side of him that is strong and capable. That he has a rod and he is, he is willing to be your shepherd and to protect you. I'm asking you today to see Jesus for who he really is. And then after you see Jesus for who he really is, here's the second part. I need you to set Jesus before you. Okay, set him before you. Psalm 16 verse 8 says this. I have set the Lord always before me. And because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And, and look what happens when you set the Lord before you. Verse 9 says, therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices and my flesh dwells secure. Can I just tell you that what the psalmist is saying there is the exact opposite of an anxious heart? He says, I have set the Lord before me, and because of that, I am glad. Okay? When you are anxious, you are not glad. <laughs> he says, I have set the Lord before me, and so I am rejoicing. When you are battling anxiety, you are not rejoicing. And he says, my whole flesh, my whole being will be secure. <laughs> when you are anxious, you are far from secure. Anxiety causes us to set something before us that actually feeds our anxiety. <laughs> we, we get anxious over, over something and then we set that in front of us uh, on a kind of a small scale. Um, sometimes uh, on the way to school, we'll be talking, uh, I, I typically drive the girls to school and we'll be talking about their day. And I'll, I'll sometimes ask, do you have any tests or quizzes today? And I, I can just tell you from taking them to school quite a few days that on days that there are no tests and no quizzes, there is also, in my truck, no anxiety. <laughs> but on days when there's tests and quizzes, they set that test, they set that quiz in front of them, and I have watched it happen where as we're driving to school and they're reviewing their notes, and, and I see this anxiety just kind of building in front, in front of my eyes, and I'll just reach over and I put my, my hand on one of their, their leg or on their back, and I go, hey, it's going to be all right. You're going to do just fine. You're going to do just fine. What happens with anxiety is we take that test, that quiz, that bill, that relationship, that th and you set it before you. And what happens is now you're dwelling on that thing and it actually feeds your anxiety and it gets bigger and it feeds it and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And it's just this constant cycle, this constant cycle. And today I want you to know that you have an opportunity to see Jesus for who he really is and then to replace whatever you have set before you that's causing your anxiety. And now you can replace that with this Jesus that you have come to realize is a strong and capable shepherd ready to protect you. This is exactly what happens with, uh, with David, the shepherd boy, 
If you know this story in, in 1 Samuel, he shows up. His dad actually sends him with some groceries to go to his brothers who are soldiers. So make sure you're understanding. Shepherd boy goes to brothers who are soldiers, and he's, he's delivering groceries to them. And while he's there, a giant by the name of Goliath comes out every single day, and he, and he taunts the people of God, and he's, and he's, he's yelling at them, and, he's, and, he, and he's, he's, he's discouraging them. And what happens is everyone in the the camp. All of the soldiers, they have grown anxious towards this giant, but David shows up, right? And, and, and here, here it is in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, I, first, I'll show you the soldiers. When the soldiers hear uh, and see Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, 24 says, when the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. But David has a different opinion. In verse 26, he begins to ask. He says, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And he says this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? And here's what I want you to see. Is everyone else in the camp was set on the idea that Goliath was bigger than them. But David was set on the idea that Goliath was smaller than his God. This is what happens when you set Jesus before you. Last year, um, during track season, um, the girls came home one day and, and I began to find out that there was a boy on the track team who was being a bit of a bully. And not only was he being a bully, but he was being a bully to one of my girls. I don't know if, if, uh, if that's ever happened to you or not. But I, I quickly wanted to confront this boy. Lisa said I couldn't do that, that I would go to jail. <laughs> so here's what I did. We were at track meet shortly after that, and I went to Ava, and I said, point him out to me. She said, who? I said, the bully. She goes, oh, he's over there. I said, okay. And so I just made my way over, and I stood very near to this boy. I just got behind him and I just made sure that he knew that I was there and that, that Eden and Ava are my daughters. I never talked to him just to be clear, but I made sure he knew that I was there and that he knew who my daughters were. And I don't know if you'll believe this or not. I don't know. He never bullied my girls again. Isn't it interesting what happens when someone bigger and stronger shows up? All of a sudden, the bully begins to fade into the background because they know that there's someone else there that can take care of business. <laughs> this is what I'm asking you to do. And I, and, I, and I don't want you to feel like I'm oversimplifying your anxiety, but I am trying to give you some tools that I need you to see Jesus for who he really is. And I need you to set Jesus before you. In other words, set Jesus up against your bully. <laughs> Just put him in front of you and allow Jesus to be the main attention of your heart, the main attention of your time and your thoughts. Put Jesus in front of you instead of holding that anxious thing out as the biggest thing. Just, just let that thing stand up against Jesus. So you set Jesus before you. And then number three is, uh, it gets really personal here, is I'm asking you to say to Jesus, you are my God. You are my God. Isaiah chapter 25 verse 1 says, Lord, 
You are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness you've done wonderful things, things planned long ago. This is personal. I I don't just need you to see Jesus as a strong and capable shepherd. And I don't just need you to put him, to set him between you and your problem. But I need you to recognize that he is your Lord that he is your savior, that he is your king. This is why David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He he didn't just say the Lord is a shepherd. That would have worked. He could have written an analogy to help us to say the Lord is like a shepherd who guides you along the still waters, right? He could have done that. But David said the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. I know him. It's personal. I have relationship with him. And when the anxious thoughts come, I I know who he is. I set him before me and I cry out to my Lord. You are my Lord. You probably know this, but the words that you use, whether they're out loud or just in your head, matter. Your self-talk matters, okay? The, the way you think about things, the way you talk about things, I'll just say it this way, what you say about yourself and your circumstances and your life and your God will quite literally write a script for your life. You see, when we're anxious, we tend to actually use our words against us. We say things like this, well, well I can't. I'll never, I won't, it's too big, I can't afford it, it's too much. Uh, you see what I'm saying? All of these words, they, they actually begin to write a script for your heart about the thing that you're facing. And that's, that's why I'm, I'm bringing you to a place where you see Jesus and you send him before you. But now you're using your words to shape what you believe about Jesus and his work in your life. That's why Psalm 91 verse 2 says, I will say, I will say, of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I need you to make it personal. Say to the Lord, you are my God. And then here's the last one is I need you to get to the place. And don't, 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 don't lose me on this one. Some of you are going to write yourselves off right away, so don't. Stick with me. I need you to get to the place where you sing the praise of the one who is greater. Okay, for all of those who are not on the worship team, you're like, you don't want me to sing, Pastor. Okay, I'm, I'm actually using this word sing for two reasons. One, because it starts with an S like all my other words. But more importantly, because... It's how, as followers of Christ, we describe this thing that we call worship. Worship is, it's a, it's a declaration, right? When, when we're singing and, and some of you, you know, depend on your style or your upbringing, you know, some of you worship differently. And, and, and so you might look across the room and, and you see Lisa, you know, and I, and we've got our hands lifted or maybe we're clapping. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I literally don't know the words to any songs, like, like at all. Like if they're not on the screen, I just start singing whatever word comes to my heart. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm really good at making up songs. All right. And so I'm down here on the front and I'm just singing. And if I don't know the song, you're just hearing me go, yes, yes, 
Jesus, things like that, okay? That's me, that's me singing, okay? I mean, I don't know if it qualifies, but that's me worshiping. That's me declaring that whatever I face this week, that Jesus is greater than that thing. Are you following me? So, so I'm not actually, I mean, you can sing in the shower, sing in your car, you know, by yourself, whatever you want. I'm not actually talking about singing. I'm talking about declaring that you know someone who is greater. Greater than what, you might ask. Greater than whatever is causing you to be afraid. Greater than whatever is keeping you up at night. Greater than whatever you can't control. Greater than your fear. Greater than your anxiety. I'm, I'm here to tell you that this Jesus that we've been talking about all morning, that I'm saying, see Jesus for who he really is. What I'm saying is he is greater. He's greater. He's bigger. He's more powerful. He is capable. He is able. Like he, I'm just telling you, he is greater and he is offering to be with you. He is offering to guide you. He's offering to provide for you. He's offering to protect you. He's offering, this is one of my favorite parts of Psalm 23, to follow you with mercy and goodness. It's one of my favorite parts. David says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Here's what I've learned is when you are anxious, you tend to think that bad things are following you around. It's, it's just always the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Because when you're anxious, you can't see anything else. And so the anxiety takes over and you begin to get suspicious that bad things are following you. And all of a sudden, a little, a little thing doesn't go right. And you're like, there it is again. There it is again. There it is again. It's just so bad. Oh, the world. Oh, it's, just, it's all bad. And all of a sudden, it's this death spiral, right? Uh, uh, can I tell you why I know this? Because it happens to me. And so Ava, my, our middle daughter, has started something. She'll start seeing me head towards, she calls it the cliff, right? And what happens, it usually starts this way for me, is I see a news headline. That's usually what happens for me. And here I go, just, I'm marching towards that cliff. The whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, and I'm, I'm jumping off. And Ava will do this. Ava will go, hey, dad, 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 here's you, and here's the hole, and you're going towards it. And I'll sometimes go, oh, yeah, Ava, watch this. Because <laughs> when you're anxious, that's all you see. And I love how the psalmist says, he says, surely goodness, depending on your version, and mercy, goodness, and love will follow you all the days of your life. So you look behind you now and you begin to realize that, yes, I have something that's bringing me some anxiety, that's a challenge, that's bigger than me, but I know someone that's bigger, right? You start figuring all of this out and now you look behind you and you realize that it's not bad things that are following you, but it's the goodness, it's the favor, it's the love, it's the kindness, it's the mercy of the Lord. I remember when I first kind of had this revelation as I was reading Psalm 23 years ago to just help myself 
to see the goodness of the Lord, I would, I would just do this little thing where I would just look behind me, right? And i go, oh, would you look at that? Look at, just look at all that goodness following me, right? And it would happen like this. I'd be, I'd be pulling into Home Depot, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, a front row spot would just open up, right? Don't you love when that happens, right? Lisa loves when that happens, because if that doesn't happen, I go way out. I just, I'm like, we need a walk. We need exercise. So front row, front row spot, car backs out just as I'm coming, and I look in the back seat, and I go, look at that. The goodness and favor. Look, at, look how much the Lord loves me. Right? Someone calls, they say, Pastor, I'd like to take you to lunch today. And I go, Oh, can, can we not eat salad? And they'd say, Yes. And I go, Look at that. Would you, would you just look at that? Look at all of the goodness. And, and I'm just telling you, I am telling you, as soon as I started doing this, I realized that there was far more goodness following me than I ever even realized. All of a sudden, I realized I had been missing the goodness of the Lord because of my anxious heart. It was getting all of my attention. And I just started looking behind me and saying, the goodness, the favor, the love is following me. Once you've seen Jesus for who he really is and you've set him before you, you say, you're my God. And now you start to sing or declare that he is greater than all of that stuff that's come against you. And now you start seeing the goodness of the Lord. This is when breakthrough happens. I'm going to show it to you. I'm using this word sing again, not literally to sing, but to declare that God is greater but it's this, it's this word that we use in church to describe something called worship. And I want you to know this, that worship is a powerful antidepressant. Worship is, I couldn't find the right word, is a powerful anti-anxiety thing. Okay? It is, it is so powerful. And here's why. is because the antidote for anxiety is not courage. It's actually faith. So sometimes we, we think of anxiety and we think, I just need more courage. And I don't think that's actually the answer. I think what we need is more faith, okay? Because anxiety says, I can't do it. I'll never be able to do it. I can't get there. I can't afford it. It's too big. It's too much. But the good news, and this is where singing to Jesus about how great he is, this is where it comes in. The good news is that you don't have to be good enough, strong enough, rich enough, powerful enough. You just have to know someone who has already taken care of it for you. So you don't have to be courageous. You just need some faith to grow. And guess how your faith is increased? It happens when you worship. As you worship, your faith grows. And I'm just telling you, it, it's such an anti-anxiety medication. Let me show you a story in the Old Testament uh, that shows us the power of worship. Second Chronicles uh, chapter uh, 20, verse 2. Here's the story. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. Okay? If you received that news, it, it more than likely would cause some anxiety to come into your life. Right? Uh, a vast army is coming against you. And verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat, by the way, 
By the way, we don't have time for this, but here's what you do, okay? When you realize something anxious is in front of you, watch what Jehoshaphat did. It says, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. You know what Jehoshaphat did? He pushed the pause button. And he, and he put things in perspective. And he said, before I allow this news to overcome me, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what God has to say about this. So he goes to the Lord. He inquires of the Lord. And the Lord encouraged Jehoshaphat with a word through a prophet. Listen to what the prophet says. He says, listen, king, Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. But I, I, just, I have to pause. When your heart is anxious... What you need more than anything else, and again, go, 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 go to all, through all of the practical things, go, go, go to the counselor, read the book, take the classes, exercise, die, do all the things. But what you need more than anything else is you need to know what the Lord says. And the prophet came to Jehoshaphat and came, came to the people and said, this is what the Lord says. You know what, do me a favor, would you stand with me? You'll hear this better from your feet, I promise you. Because this, this is God's word over you today. The prophet said to, to Jehoshaphat and to the people of God, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. In other words, he didn't ignore the army in front of him. He just said, don't be discouraged. Don't be anxious. Why? For the battle is not yours, but God's. Can I announce that over you today? The battle is not yours, but it's God's. The battle is, see, what makes us anxious is we take on, we take it on. Oh, I gotta solve this, I gotta fix this, I gotta do this, I gotta be strong, I gotta, no you don't, the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. And the prophet continues and says, tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be, he gives them insider information. They're gonna be climbing up the pass of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You won't have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. He says it again. Do not be discouraged. Go out, oh man, go out and face the thing that is making you anxious and the Lord will be with you. Is anyone encouraged yet? So watch this. So watch this. They go and they face their enemy. But watch how it happens. Jehoshaphat appointed men to what? Sing. Can you imagine? Let's just, just, can you, I mean, just imagine. Anyone have friends that are like in the military or maybe, maybe police or anything like that? They're all like, they're like manly men, right? And they carry guns, they have big muscles, right? They, got, they grow awesome beards, right? Can you imagine like, come on, men, men, I have an important assignment for you. And they're all like, we're ready. I'm gonna need you to sing. And they're like, what? By the way, if you've never, ladies, you, 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 you don't get to see this. If you've ever been to men's conference, to hear hundreds of men howling, singing, whatever we call it, it is awful and awesome all at the same time. And he gets, he gets them all together. He says, he says you're going to sing to the Lord. 
I need you to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out in front of the army and they're singing. They're singing this. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And the soldiers are behind him with the swords and all the weapons. And the, the other guys are out front. And they're just they're singing. Give thanks to the Lord. And, and it probably started slow like worship does on Sunday mornings, right? And one of them began to clap. And one of them began to raise their hands. And all of a sudden, the presence of God joined that army as they began to march towards the very thing that was making them anxious. And watch this, verse 22. As they began to sing, and praise. I love this so much. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated while the people of God were worshiping, while they were singing, while they were praising. And so today I want to invite you to do what the scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, when it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then I'm going to ask you to sing, to worship. And I know that in the hour and 24 minutes that we've been in this room together, that that thing it's causing you anxiety probably hasn't changed. You might feel better because you're insulated. You're in this room and the presence of God has been, has been here. In fact, I came in, I got here a little bit early and worship team was practicing. I, I came up here and Eric says to me, he says, Pastor, the presence of God is so sweet today. So sweet You've come in, you're insulated, you've got friends around you, they've encouraged you, you hugged their necks, you, you've talked to them, but you know that when you walk out those doors that that anxious thing is waiting on you. It's gonna like, right, just jump on your back, right? And I'm asking you today, I'm asking you to, to give a sacrifice of worship. <laughs> It's, it's very different than when you feel it. When you feel it, it's easy to worship. Am I right? When you feel it, oh man, it's just, let's go. But when you don't feel it, it's a sacrifice to see Jesus for who he really is, to set Jesus before you, to say to him, you are my God, and then to sing about his greatness. And so I'm gonna ask you, we, we don't do it like this every week, but I'm gonna ask you, the worship team's gonna lead us in a final song. I'm gonna ask you to worship. Some of you, like you've never worshiped. Some of you, you, you need to break through by doing something that you've never done because you've just kind of always worshiped the same way. And today, I don't know what your baby step is. Just take a baby step. Just expre express your, your love to the Lord. Lift your hands, or, or, or you know what? I, I, this, I know it's a big ask for some of you, but as we begin to worship, if we, as we begin to worship, if you have something that's been causing great anxiety in your life, it's keeping you up at night, you're stressed, you're thinking about it all the time, you just want to stick your head in the sand and just hope that it goes away, I'm going to ask you today, don't stick your head in the sand confront it, but do so with worship. 
And I'm gonna ask you, I'm asking you to, to just move, to get out of your seat and to come to this place. Why do I do that? Because I'm just telling you, you need to do something that you've never done before because you need to prove to the enemy that you are not a, you're not afraid. I almost said you're not a scared. <laughs> you're not a scared. And you're gonna worship. And some of our friends, our pastors, we're gonna come, we're gonna start praying with you. I'm just telling you, some breakthrough is gonna happen today. Today. I'm just telling you. We've been bathing this day in prayer and believing for this moment. So worship team, help me. Y'all just begin to worship. Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Close your eyes. In fact, if you wouldn't mind, and would you just, would you lift your hands towards the Lord? We're gonna begin to worship right now. With, they're gonna, the worship team is gonna join us. But would you begin to worship right now? Would you begin to put your heart in that place? I need you to do this. I need you to see Jesus right now for who he really is. I need you to get a perspective of Jesus right now, that he is strong, that he is mighty, that he is capable. I need you to right now begin to set Jesus in front of you and that thing that is causing your anxiety. I need you to just, to just say, Jesus, you are bigger, you are stronger. I'm setting you in front of myself right now. I'm setting you between me and the trap that the enemy has set before me. I'm setting you there. And would you begin to declare right now and just say to Jesus, you're my God. You're my Savior. You're my rescuer. You're my lover today. You're my maker. You're my creator. Would you just begin to say to Jesus, make it really personal, just say to Jesus who he really is. And now as the worship team begins to help us, I need you to begin to sing to the one who is greater. Sing to the one who is bigger than your anxiety. Sing to the one who has all the world in his hands. And let's see what God can do in these last few minutes. Would you sing with us this morning? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.